0: All right, we are broadcasting live from all different parts of the country right now and so glad that you guys are joining us here on this particular episode of our live stream video cast that we're doing with the nothing is wasted ministries this one in particular is about ministering in the mayhem and so what we've uh really tried to do is compile some folks who um uh, as panelists who are, who are pastors, church leaders, to be able to speak to us about how to minister in this space. So whether you're a pastor, you're a church leader, you are uh, a ministry volunteer or a small group leader, you just have a heart for ministry, a nonprofit leader, whatever it may be, we want to try to equip you to be able to um, step in, lean into this this season and uh, still minister in the midst of all of this uh, this craziness that's going on around us. I want, before we introduce our panelists, I want to um, just talk about some of the other episodes we have coming down the pike. We just did this past Monday night an episode uh, for you moms called Navigating the Mess of Motherhood During Quarantine. You can watch that on demand, but my wife Christy hosted, hosted that. And we invited a couple other moms on there, and so uh, you can You can watch that on demand, but we're going to be, over the next couple weeks, going to be continuing to serve you as you live, learn, and lead through this season, and uh, we've got one coming up called Overcoming Emotional Overwhelm. You guys will remember Allison Cook, one of our resident uh, licensed counselors with Nothing Is Wasted, author, speaker, Mike Foster, author and speaker, and host of the Fun Therapy podcast, and Justine Frocker, who's been a guest co-host for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, and a, um, a Brene Brown Daring Way coach. They're going to be joining us to help us kind of navigate the emotional aspects of staying healthy through this season. We're also going to be uh, speaking with uh, Anthony O'Neill, who's a Dave Ramsey personality, Joe Sangle, the president of Enjoy Stewardship Solutions, and uh, Oz Hillman, who leads uh, marketplace leaders and talking about fending off financial crisis. I know everybody's kind of concerned right now uh, as to what this means for our personal finances, for business finances. And so this is going to be a great opportunity for you to log on and, and hear from some great wisdom there. And then finally, we're also going to be doing one uh, called Spiritual Deepening Despite Social Distancing. And we're inviting some of our friends uh, that have been on the podcast before and, and one that you've not met yet, but is full of wisdom. Terry Lee Cobble going to be back on joining us. Aubrey Sampson, who's been a guest co-host, you guys remember her. And then my friend Tyler Tatum, they're going to be joining us to talk about how we can grow spiritually in the midst of all of this. Uh, you can go and check those things out, nothingiswasted.com slash livestream. You can sign up to get updates for when we go live as we get those dates and times and everybody's scheduled. Nothingiswasted.com slash livestream. stream. Uh, I want to get into what we're doing today and want to welcome our, our guests, panelists for coming and hanging out with us. We're talking about ministering in the mayhem and we want to give you biblical encouragement, practical insights and helpful hints to help you as you're leading your organizations and you're pivoting your ministry strategies to meet the needs of, of not just your congregation, but also the communities that you are ministering in. And so uh, I've got three of my good friends here who are pastors and leaders that I would love to, for you to hear from them today. And so uh, if, if you guys wouldn't mind, let's go ahead and just uh, introduce yourselves. We'll kind of go around the circle right now that I see. I see Tim first. So introduce yourself. We'll go Tim, Aaron, and then Brad. And You guys tell us a little about yourself, your family, and the, the ministries that you lead.
1: Yeah, Tim Harlow, uh, my son-in-law Tommy is watching right now, and he said, nice background you constructed, you're welcome, and it's way better than Brockett's. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much the theme, um, my whole ministry, really, basically, that's the theme, just trying to stay a step ahead of Brockett. I'm, keep um, I'm in uh, Chicagoland, uh, Parkview Christian Church, three campuses, uh, getting ready for a fourth, which I think will still work in this new reality been there for 30 years uh so I, i'm the old guy on the on the panel here maybe bring a little bit uh you know what, whatever that is to the team along the way um I, I made a joke about i've done this before i i was i was in the pulpit the weekend after abraham lincoln was assassinated because it feels that long so um that's that's what i'm bringing to the team that's me love it
2: Great. Uh, Aaron Brockett, uh, coming to you from uh, Suburban, and I think that it is actually better than Tim's background. So um, <laughs> I, uh, I am the lead pastor at Trader's Point Church in Indianapolis, and uh, we have uh, six campuses uh, across the city. Um, and uh, bearing to my wife, uh, almost 21 years, we have three teenagers in the house and uh, an eight-year-old. Awesome.
3: Very cool. And then uh, I'm Brad Cooper, and I am coming to you from uh, the the warm, um, rural countryside of South Carolina. Um, <laughs> I'm a lead pastor at New Spring Church, three kids and a gorgeous wife that I love. And, um, and we're a multi side church down here in South Carolina, leading through this uh, ministering through mayhem season, just like all these other gentlemen. Honored to be here. Mm.
0: You had to rub in the warm factor, didn't you, Brad? <laughs>
3: Well, it's just a little, I mean, it's, I've got all short sleeves today, you know, so we're, we're, we started today. Are you the wearing 50s. pants? Uh, but, uh, <clears throat> that'll just uh, okay. leave a we'll little for to the imagination.
1: That
0: so. <laughs> uh, that's great. Well, man, I'm so grateful for you guys to, um, to extend your time here and, and hang out with us and serve these leaders and uh, these folks who are passionate about ministry who are joining us. I want to just start out. We'll kind of make this uh, a little bit easy. I'd love for you to kind of share um, uh, each of you guys, how this has affected your normal rhythms and routines. I mean, I think everybody's been upended. Their rhythm's been upended. They're trying to um, reorient their lives, figuring out what all of this looks like, but you guys are not only doing that for yourself personally, for your family, but you're also trying to figure out how to do that for the people that you lead, your staff. And, and there's a trickle down effect, you know, in, 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 leadership where, um, if you're not orienting your life well and organizing your life well, then it's going to be hard for the folks that you lead to do it as well. So why don't you talk a little bit about how this has affected your personal rhythms as uh, we've stepped into the season?
1: Okay, I'll go. Um, I, uh, you, Davey and Aaron both know that I, I did, uh, a bad sabbatical this summer. <clears throat> and one of the things I learned through my bad sabbatical, I mean, it, it just was the way it turned out was not paying better attention to this. I was, I was, uh, I was kind of experiencing social distancing on purpose, you know, and, and we were away from all the people that loved us. And, you know, here we are again in this same place. So I'm trying to take the things that I learned through that and apply them a little bit differently this time and make sure that I'm staying connected uh, I felt like I was staying connected to God, but I mean, there was just a lot of circumstances that were going on with it. Like there are now, I think it's super important. And I've been working with my staff on this remotely that, that we pay attention to our mental health through all of this. And what, what we tend to want to do is to jump in and solve the problem and watch the news and figure out where we're at now and work off of all that. We've got to remember that this is a long haul scenario. We're going to be doing this for a long haul. So um trying to find that balance has been something that I learned the hard way.
0: That's good. Tim, before we jump over to this, the other guys, do you mind sharing a couple of those principles that you learned over that sabbatical that you're applying to this right now?
1: Well, I mean, some of the things I can't do anything about because you know, the, the, the thing that I didn't recognize um, the only time I was re- really with other people was I was actually with Aaron and some other guys at a, at a pastor's retreat. Other than that, I stayed completely away from home. And and I would say that as soon as we can be back out in public, I don't think that's going to be a hard thing for us to figure out. We're going to know that, that I want to be back together with my friends. But in the meantime, staying in touch. I mean, we're trying to do Facebook groups. We're trying to do all kinds of things with our staff. A lot more meetings, obviously, like everybody else. I had just become way too disconnected. And, um, you know, so I didn't have that support network there for me. Mm. I I think that was the number one thing. Um, and, and the other thing is, um, while I was spending good time with God, um, it, it needs to look differently during Mm. these, You, you don't just take the same thing and, and apply it. So whatever, whatever your rhythm is with God normally, I think you should upend it right now and do something completely different hmm. and and consider this, you know, the wilderness experience that Jesus had with the devil, because you know, that stuff's coming at you hard. And that was the other thing for me was just recognizing where the devil wanted to hit me while I was away.
0: That's great, Tim. You know, it, it's funny. We're going to talk about in a second how you guys are strategically creating some structures to provide support for the people that you're leading. But I'm hearing you say that it's important to make sure that your personal support system is also intact yeah, yeah. speed in of the leader season. speed of the team that's great ab brad you guys have any thoughts on that and how your rhythms have been uh adjusted and reoriented in this
2: yeah i think uh that you know i was just reflecting on it this morning that it was three weeks ago today that um i woke up uh and we'd been hearing about um the virus that was you know beginning to spread throughout europe i still don't think that we were all fully like Um, realizing, you know, how real this could be and where it was coming kind of felt like an oncoming tsunami or an avalanche of some kind. But it was three weeks ago today that I got a phone call from another good friend of mine who's a pastor in Indy. And he just said, hey, can we talk about this virus thing? And what are your plans moving forward? Because I think we need to coordinate our churches. And it was at that moment that I thought this is getting real. Mm. And by, you know, obviously it was that Wednesday and it was all day Thursday, like we're in emergency meetings, like do we not hold physical services on the weekend? And there was so much going on. And if you were watching across the United States, there was a lot of churches that shot videos Wednesday afternoon and Thursday morning telling their people, don't worry, we've hired extra staff to clean the buildings. If you're feeling sick, don't come to church. We're gonna do this anyway because we're gonna be faithful through all of this. And for me, the tipping point was when I heard that you can actually transmit the virus and not show symptoms. And I thought, We can't have services. If that's even a remote possibility, we can't do it. And so we made the call, uh, trying to be as unified as we could with some other churches in Indy, because we wanted to be a unified front on this as the Big C church. Mm -hmm. And as we went into the weekend, I think my whole mentality was okay, uh, when's this going to break? When are we going to get some good news? When are we going to get the all clear? And it was very apparent going through the weekend that that wasn't going to happen. And to be honest with you, that first week, uh, I didn't handle this well at all. Like I was like, uh, we couldn't come into the office. Uh, we uh, I was basically getting up, uh, sitting down in the chair beside my bed, turning on CNN and doing Zoom calls all day with my team. And I did that like three days straight mm. and about broke because I was like, about I lost it. I broke down Thursday morning, like just mm-hmm. in tears. Like mm-hmm. I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like I, I, I always I shared this with a group of other pastors that my typical wiring is that under challenge and strain I usually operate at my best. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like whenever you've got a pickup truck with a full load, the thing just rides a little truer. And mm-hmm. so I was, what well, that's what sort of took me by surprise was I was like usually under great challenge in crisis i'm usually pretty good and this is too big and i and i and i have a life uh, leadership coach slash therapist that actually lives up in chicago that i've been working with for the last three years and i finally got on the phone with him and um he basically just said dude you gotta cool the jets like Mm. you can't you're trying to stand in front of this massive wave and control it and he said you can't and he said the only thing you can do is is be as clear as you can with the information that you have that's all you can do and he just said the challenge is with being at home there really is no definitive shut off and turn on point because you're in it all the time so i had to i had to immediately going into that second week i sat down with my wife and we created a daily schedule where i just had to limit my inputs yeah. Um, I'm not turning on CNN because, and I'm really trying hard not to. It was this has been hard for me this week to want to just scroll over and look at the news stories. And what you got to realize is that almost every single news story is an opinion piece, and it's clicks for cash. Yeah. And the way that they get you to read the story, that that's how they generate their income. So I read so many stories with ominous titles, but you read the actual story and it was more hopeful than the title. And it's like, guys, why don't you lead with hope? Because well, right now they know that you know, fear cells. And so I think we just got to really manage uh, our inputs and we got to create a a daily rhythm that's healthy for us, um, uh, both emotionally and physically, but more than anything spiritually. So I want to echo Tim's
3: uh, thoughts on just your rhythms with God.
0: That's great. That's great. Coop, what about you, man? How's this been an adjustment for you guys?
3: Yeah, you know, three weeks ago, that's exactly right. I mean, it got real um, three weeks ago. You're sitting down and you hear that the NBA is calling off their season. That was three yeah. weeks ago today. And that was, in my mind, the tipping point. Uh, everybody started to get real serious. And uh, and there were a lot of people that were fighting that mentality of, uh, of deciding, I think, maybe too quickly um, what to do. And they wanted to have – and everybody wanted to run to the front, potentially, I think this is – Especially as a young leader, everybody wants to run to the front and say, "Okay, I'm the leader, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm gonna tell you what you're gonna do." And um, you know, through the years, um, just being baptized in some things, hmm. there's there's three three real days in crisis. There's uh, and that's it. There's only three days that matter: um, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that mentality uh, was kind of the thing that our team took. What mm. what what information do we have from yesterday? That we can make decisions about today that are going to help people tomorrow, and uh, you can't go too much further in the rearview mirror because you're going to everybody's a backseat driver at that, and you can't project too far out because you got no idea what your governor's going to say, what the president's going to say, what the WHO is going to say, and mm. and so you just kind of have to be in the moment. And I'm mm. telling you, the ministry of presence mm. is is um, at an all time high. And so we've just been taking that approach for the last three weeks. We're not trying to project out too m- much. Uh, we, we did once we made the decision that it was going to be, uh, Pastor Tim mentioned this, a little bit of a long run. We went ahead and got our staff, our, tried to get our staff minds around. We're going to be doing church at home for the next eight weeks. Hmm. We said that on the Thursday, um, uh, you know, 20 days ago. Uh, really? We're going to be doing church at home for eight weeks. So go ahead and get your mind there, get your content there, get your writing there, get your leadership development there, because it'll be a lot easier to build for that. Mm. And then if all of a sudden the thing lifts or because of our prayer, the plague lifts or whatever, yep. that we can say, OK, everybody, five days away, we'll all be in church again or whatever. So that's kind of been our mindset. And, um, and you know, uh, I think PACE has been a deal. I think right now, I was reading some stuff today that was very helpful. Uh, I think the, the faulty leader right now thinks that we are leading in the crisis. Hmm. The, the truth is we are leading in the moments before the crisis. Hmm. And so if I could offer wow. a, a mentality right now in America, we're not leading in a crisis. We're leading in the moments before the crisis. That's so good. And so there's still some great time to get some plans in place and to, and to be clear about when some about how you individually and your church collectively can be in response and ready to do some ministry in the days ahead. Wow.
0: That's so good. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, Coop, I saw you post something earlier today about, uh, you know, when it's too late. What was the thing you posted earlier today? It was about when it, when it was too late to prepare. Opportunity. To... Yes.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's an old quote on opportunity. When opportunity knocks, the days of preparation are over. Yeah. And so, you know, what what you've been doing, and side note, we right now there's a moment of of personal development that can be occurring. Uh, gaining of your own capacity, learning some hard skills because you're locked in the quarantine. And so when when everything goes back to normal, we're going to see who's been developing in the dark, so to speak, because the days of preparation will be over. You had eight weeks, you had 10 weeks. Anyway, but right now an opportunity is knocking and there's no more time to prepare. You've either, um, you know, what we've learned in crisis mode is everybody wants to get unified. But what crisis does is it exposes the unity you had before the crisis. You don't build unity and consensus in the crisis. You know, uh, uh, Pastor A.B. a minute ago said he reached out, or another pastor in town reached out, and they knew it was time to make a move at the same time. Uh, That's because they had unity before the crisis. It wasn't because Mm -hmm. he was trying to develop that on the fly. They were, you know, I'm sure there was some text messages and some prayer breakfasts and some other moments of unity building that happened last year, five years ago in some uh, pastoral accountability groups, whatever it was. And then they leveraged their unity in a moment of crisis. And that's, that's what's happening right now.
0: That's so great. That's so great. You know, one of the things that might be in the back of people's mind right now, I think I'm not seeing a whole lot about churches that are kind of resisting the stay at home order or anything, but, but, but there were a lot of questions I know in the beginning of this idea of wait, are we acting in faith though by like shuttering our doors and by responding in this way. And there, there's just, there was that tension between the fear versus the faith aspect of making the decisions to now as, I mean, for the first time in the United States history, you know, all churches not meeting uh, at church. And uh, not being able to gather for services, what went into the leadership decision-making process for you guys uh, to say no? We actually believe this is a this is more of a faith move, not a fear-based move. Anybody can take that. I just I'd love to hear from all of you guys on on each on that.
2: I think I, I touched on it briefly in my first response, but I think that for me, the when as soon as I heard the bit of information that uh, you can actually pass the virus without ever showing symptoms or know you have it, uh, I was like, that. that's the tipping point for me. Because it, cause it seemed like a lot of churches were basing the decision around, hey, we'll, hot, we'll we'll clean the church extra good. Let's not shake hands. If you're feeling sick, stay home. And that's all great unless you don't think that you're sick but you may have it and I think that for me was uh, and I just was reading how contagious it was so we were like no we've got to be um, and this wasn't even uh, we, we we made the call not to have physical uh, church services before the there was any sort of like mandated shutdown mm-hmm. in our area. Right. So I think for us it was it wasn't just about being good citizens, although there is a part of that. I mean, if your governor tells you stay at home, the last thing he needs is a bunch of faith leaders resisting him, saying no, we're going to operate in faith, not fear. That's just mm-hmm. stupid. And so we um, made uh, we made the, we made the <laughs> call just to um, to make sure that uh, we were keeping people safe uh, because we have. Have thousands of people that gather together in rooms and are in close proximity. And uh, it, it was a, just an unnecessary risk when you have the online digital capabilities that we have. And we'll probably talk about this in a minute, but I mean, our online engagements, 10 times as great, if not greater than what it was before this crisis. So mm. we just leverage that. That's great.
1: We, uh, ahead, my, my, my thing happened I was in Northern California on Wednesday and Thursday. I was speaking for a friend of mine, Brian Hunt, for his Thursday night service. And so I was in, I was like in epicenter. I mean, it was like only in New York and California, basically at that point. And and so I was watching. So they were like, I literally preached the Thursday night services and they shut everything down. And I knew that was going to be happening back at home as well. And I'm in Illinois and Illinois it, it kind of came from the governor for us. It was like 250 or more. You can't meet. So we, we were done with that. Um, but um, so I don't know that it was faith fear. It was like, we're not going to buck the system and we're going to be responsible and all that kind of stuff. And when people ask me about it, I, I, I go back and go, Hey, what leprosy. Okay. How, how did the Bible teach us to deal with leprosy? You know I mean? It's the same thing. So, so don't tell me that, I mean, the people in the old Testament didn't have enough faith. So, they, they hung out with lepers. I mean, it, it's the same kind of thing. God, God set us up for this. Mm. Yeah.
3: yeah. I think everybody's being winsome with the way they responded. I uh, I think the idea of the loving your neighbor is yourself mm. mentality comes in. I, I think it was Andy Stanley who says it this way. He says, that means you and I have to love the you that's beside you. Mm. And then when you understand that you could be asymptomatic and you could be a carrier, you're not loving the you beside you when they're vulnerable to it and you're carrying it. And uh, and and you can leverage. Now, I will say this. I, I'm an eight on the Enneagram, a challenger by posture. I want to stick it to anybody that tells me I can't. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not an alarmist. But I think when you recognize and you submit to the word of the Lord in this mm-hmm. moment that, man, if I'm going to be a loving person to the vulnerable uh, here, then we've got to we've got to do something different. Um, then it was only it was only, a, it was only uh, pride. For me, I can't speak. There may have been some other leaders that it was men. They did it from the right heart. It was mm-hmm. only pride and my own uh, desire to take everybody on a uh, uh, a leadership ride where I flex my authority to say, no, we're going to do it. Yeah. And I think that candidly, that's what you're seeing. That's why I laughed at uh, Pastor Aaron when he says, man, people are just doing the opposite in some places because there are some people out there doing the opposite. And it's like, man, they just want to flex their I'm, I'm a boss uh, or I'm the head of this organization mode and mm-hmm. it's not doing anybody any favors and yeah. they're being exposed. I'll tell you this, just as a, a segue, um, we made the call, didn't have any real pushback. I mean, people were upset uh, from a, I wanted to be a church, but I understand I got an email yesterday from a sweet lady who I know very well, love Um uh, She was actually at universal studios the weekend that we were dealing with everything, got back on a Thursday, we made the call and she's a part of our prayer team that comes in and prays over every seat in our largest auditorium. Wow. And she let me know yesterday that she had not been feeling well and had been tested and she could could not believe and she was frustrated, candidly, that we had made the decision that early but she was like, thank God, I was going to pray over every seat, every seat in the auditorium that day and who knew that um, you know she would come down and be sick, and so I'm like, "Thank you, Lord, that we didn't make that wow. decision."
0: Yeah, holy cow! Wow. Well, I want to stay a little bit more in kind of the thirty thousand foot view for we're gonna we're gonna zoom in and go practical here in a second. I know AB, you talked to you alluded to that that we're gonna to try to zero in on some stuff, but there are, there are leaders and there are. Um, you know, pastors that they, uh, a number of sizes are represented a size congregations, size organizations represented that are watching this right now. And so I think it's important to really talk about some of the principles that are transferable across the board before we kind of zero in on some of the how to, or maybe this applies to your situation. Maybe it doesn't. So I'm curious, all of you guys have led through some pretty tremendous seasons of, of crises And I wonder, uh, we've already talked about a couple of those principles that you've mentioned. You know, Brad, I love what you said as clear as you can with the information you have and communicate that. But are there some other overarching principles that have helped you and your teams to navigate this and to lead through this particular crisis?
2: Well, I think that, uh, I think it was Kerry Newhoff who said this, and I really, really like it, and I'm holding on to it, is he said, crisis is an accelerator. And, um, I think that, um, we don't want to minimize the pain that we're going through because there's going to be a lot of unemployment. There's going to be a lot of sickness, a lot of death, uh, a lot of anxiety and fear. I think that's way high right now, yeah. perhaps, uh, higher than any time in recent history for other than maybe nine 11. Um, and so I don't want to downplay any of that. I do think that we're, we, we are trying to navigate the whitewater right now we're riding Mm -hmm. out the storm the storm will end it will end um what we want to do is provide hope provide help uh provide peace um to be real with people it's like that whole idea of we lament and we point to hope Mm. and uh so we don't want to be like mindlessly pointing to hope like hey guys just deal with it it's all going to be okay that's not helpful Mm-hmm. And we also don't want to just be like, oh, man, this is the new normal. This is horrible. It's never going to get better. That's not helpful either. It's, it's the balance between the two. And it's recognizing that in the midst of all this, there will be great innovation. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be um, some policy that will change for the better. Uh, there's going to be, I think, a unity and people rallying together like never before. The storm has hit us, and it's still blowing hard on us. I think once we begin to kind of navigate through some of that, I think we 're going to see um, uh, some really, really good things, and god 's at work in the midst of all this, mm-hmm. and so I think that the the strong get stronger through a crisis, uh not by freaking out and not by sticking their head in the sand and pointing to some sort of like false idealism it's let's let 's be clear with the facts. I love what Brad said you know take take what we learned from yesterday to make decisions today that affect tomorrow, and mm-hmm. I would just echo that completely. Um, because, uh, as we come through this, I think that you'll see, like, I'm not concerned if our church is going to survive. It's not about that. Uh, I'm concerned for our people. And I believe that as we minister to people, uh, we'll come out on the other side of this, the church is going to be different, but for the better, because the church is incredibly resilient, um, you look at crisis throughout history, and the church always, when it's on mission, keeps its eyes on Jesus. Always comes out of it with a better, clearer focus. I think all this is doing is maybe stripping us of our idols mm. and stripping us of some things that we had false hope in. And it's revealing to us, even as a staff, it's like, hey, what were we put? What were we putting uh, resources towards that we shouldn't have? Mm. And uh, and now we need need to be really laser focused on um, what's going to make the biggest difference. And, a, as we come out of the crisis.
0: That's great. That's great. there are the other you guys, um, other principles that have helped go to ahead, navigate Brian. this crisis?
3: Well, uh, you know, it makes me think, I'll, I'll uh, you mentioned Tipping Point, his name started to come up. Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book mm. called David and Goliath. I love yeah. the book because essentially it, it, it shares stories about people that have uh, lived through very difficult things and they go on to do extraordinary things after they realize um, that they can make it. And so uh, I think that um, candidly for us, uh, not to minimize the pain and the reality of job loss and sickness and all those things, but as a church staff, we feel like we've lived in the last five years through a couple of other fire drills that have just prepped Mm -hmm. us. And so um, honestly, I was very quick in my own heart to move towards that excitement and energy about innovation uh pastor aaron just mentioned it but i think you know you've seen it throughout the course of time the constraint breeds creativity mm-hmm. and that church history proves the point that anytime there is persecution or plague it is the the precedent for church prominence and and so we're just (laughs) believing that we're believing that this isn't happening to us because that's fear we're believing in faith this is happening for us and so Mm. there's appropriate sacred cows that are going to die and they're not going to make it through on the other side of this and so there's things that are small ones that are inside of our organization that maybe we didn't need to be put resource towards that we can begin to identify what are those things that aren't functional or not going to last but there's probably some bigger ones that um you know i had a i had a, a 72 year old uh, Baptist pastor tell me the other day, you know, God's not making people that worship the way that many of the folks that grew up in my age generation worship. And that's okay. Uh, but this, this is going to uh, cause a lot of pastors that are still leading churches like that to have to uh, either reevaluate the way they're doing church or they're going to go away. And, mm-hmm. uh, I think that this is a little bit of that as well. Um, I don't say that fatalistically, but I think you're going to have to innovate here. And we're all married to the vision of the gospel. But I think right now is a moment where you date the method of vehicle Mm -hmm. to deliver the gospel. And so right now, everybody's uh, dating digital content right now. And I think the other thing everybody's going to start dating is recognizing we don't need to be the talking head heroes. We need to be the ones that are making heroes in the homes that are leading the digital conversations in living rooms, whether that's mom and dad or a leader in a, in a dorm room or whatever the context may be. I think that's really becoming some of the things that we're recognizing. It's a team sport and God is demanding us right now to not gather up around the talking heads, but let's, let's um, innovate in a way that develops leaders and uh, lifts maybe some people into leadership that didn't anticipate being called on yet.
0: Wow. Wow. So good, Brad. So good, Tim. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I, I uh, Brad, you're a beautiful talking head. Um, I think that, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I think that um, the persecution. You know, Jesus told us to go in all the world and preach the gospel, and then everybody hung out in Jerusalem, and finally persecution came along and shoved everybody out of Jerusalem, yep. and we went into the whole world. I think um, I don't think God sent this. I don't uh, I don't want to call it a plague, but I think that there's something about what's going on right now that is causing one of those, again, tipping points for even those of us, like the three churches represented here, who have been focused on get everybody into a building. Oh, well, we're not going to do one building now. We're going to do multi-site now. Right. We're still getting them all into a building. And now we've been forced to go into all the world. And, and we uh. thought we were doing it, but we weren't doing it with the kind of purpose that we're doing now. So I would say for every level leader that you've got out there right now listening to this, you need to figure out what this is going to look like. Uh, number two, I, we're being very realistic. All the business guys I talk to, everybody else, um, you need to be realistic. OK, there's yeah, we may get some money from the government and the CARES Act and and all that kind of stuff. And that's going to be wonderful, but this is not going to go well. And our people are not going to give like they've been giving before. And it is likely that we're going to have to, you know, make some deep cuts. And so one of the things that we're doing right now, we're not obviously laying off anybody or doing any of that, but we're looking at what we're doing right now. And I would encourage every leader out there, don't wait around and and put your head in the sand and think oh well you know surely it'll come out okay right now you need to be going whack 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 with your budget you need to be thinking about all those ministries that you don't need to be doing and and as Brad said man this is a great time for us to reevaluate the things that are going and make it you know make some decisions so do that now number 3 <clears throat> i'm going to i'm going to roll this out this weekend we embrace the suck have you guys heard that mm. phrase Oh yeah, that's a yeah it's a crossfit phrase
0: right there. Come on. It's a
1: crossfit phrase. Absolutely <laughs> no. Navy Seal phrase. And uh you know Oh, that's
0: where it originated. Okay, okay I,
1: I don't know any I don't even know what a crossfit is, but uh, I, I you know the Navy SEALs had this embrace the suck thing. And, you know, what that means is it, it, it does suck. So let's do this together. And I think, you know, even, uh, you know, and, and, Brad and Brad and Aaron and I haven't been connected until just now, but we are, we're going to be, Aaron and I have been, we were texting today. We we're on a Zoom call on Friday. We embrace the suck together as the leaders. And then we help our people embrace the suck. Okay, let's admit it. It sucks. Now, what are we going to do about it? I'm going to help you. You're going to help me.
0: That's great. Wow. One of the things we say a lot at Nothing Is Wasted is that the things that we look at, even personally, organizationally, as interruptions to our story, God turns around and makes them a great invitation into an even better story. And that's exactly what you guys are talking about, is looking and identifying these, these what seem like obstacles and saying, okay, how's God going to turn this around? How's, how's he going to use it? How's he going to invite us to participate in that with them? So, uh, that being said, we're gonna we're gonna zero in on some of the practical stuff that you guys are doing before we jump into that. Um, I wanna draw everybody's attention who's attending this on Zoom. If you're on Facebook Live, <clears throat> excuse me, you're not gonna be able to, to participate in this. If you if you are on Facebook Live watching this and you wanna participate in the questions and answers, then you need to jump over to nothingiswasted.com/slash livestream and actually register for this event, participate live to ask a question. Um, But those of you guys who are here live with us right now on this particular webinar call, down at the bottom of your screen, there is a button that says Q&A. Go ahead and begin asking your questions because when we hit about another 20 to 25 minutes, we're going to begin doing Q&A, and we'd love to answer your questions and serve you personally. But um, while questions are coming in, let's talk a little bit about how you guys practically, creatively, I know it's going to be different for everybody and there's going to be some similarities, but how have you guys been uh, pivoting your strategies and your methodologies uh, as, as you're moving forward into this, you know, that eight week frame that you were talking about there, Brad, what are those, what are the actual pivots that you guys have made that could spark some ideas to some of these folks who are listening?
3: Well, I'll just jump in since um, we just, you know, I think it's easier for us to go ahead and get our minds around thinking in a big swath of a two month period. And then if we have to, get the chance to pivot because of good news it'll be easier to pivot back to the old way than it is to snap everybody's brain into thinking oh my gosh it's going to be way longer than i ever thought it was going to be so let's go ahead and get embrace the suck um you know another navy seal language linguistic that i think is good is we all don't rise to the occasion we sink to our level of training and that's Mm -hmm. what's happening right now everybody's sinking to their level of training and so for us one of the things that we we did sync to is we created our digital content and we're going to create uh, what we qualified as New Spring at Home, our church service at home. But one of the things that we had learned over the last three years in terms of uh, some innovation we've done in-house and training our staff is uh, not doing church the way we've always done church and I have no idea what my brothers are doing right now. So this is in no way to try to put a juxtaposition up and against anything else. I'm just telling you something we've learned was we need to, when you're looking at digital, you may have heard this too. Um, people have about a 10 minute in an audience, um, Uh, you know, kind of a a moment where they'll hold, hold eye contact and hold mind and then they they lose it digitally. It cuts in half. So at about a five minute mark, you got to move the needle again. Hmm. And so what we're doing is creating content that requires people to pause in the sermon, if you will, and ask questions in the room to dialogue and process their emotions out loud. How are you feeling? What are you anxious about? Uh, everything from super simple stuff that 10 year olds, eight year olds can answer. What's your favorite Easter candy to, um, to, hey, what are you anxious about right now? And then somebody in the room stopping and praying before they hit play again, and we Mm. continue on in the sermon. So there's a little bit of that that's happening. We're trying to think about preaching in circles and homes instead of in rows in an audience. Mm. And so that's probably the biggest mindset shift. We're doing it for kids, for students, and for the Sunday gathering experience. And and that's probably from a content delivery, the biggest thing we're thinking about right now.
2: That's great. A.B.? Yeah, I would echo that. I think that, um, you know, we've intentionally, um, uh, Cut the the content down uh, just to recognize the attention span of people online, and and I think we even realize this in our home. You know, it's it's hard to like um, worship with your kids. You know, to try to get everybody, uh, you know, in the living room. Uh, you know, my eight year old still doesn't really fully know what's going on, so she's still like, I, no, I don't want to watch on TV. I want to go to the church, and so I think trying to trying to provide resources for families to have. Uh, conversations with their kids. We're doing a Facebook live thing tonight, like how to deal with anxiety and loneliness. Mm. Uh, Cause I think those real practical handles, because right now what Brad just said is so true. Uh, we are, I think one of the weak areas of weaknesses in so many of our churches is that's being revealed is have we developed leaders at home? Mm. And so I think we've got to develop a lot of content and resources around helping men and women be leaders in their home uh, when they can't take their kids and drop them off in a classroom, it's on on them. So I think any, any kind of helps that we can get touches throughout the week. Uh, Mm. I I'm a little leery right now of like producing more and more content Mm. because it's coming at us from everywhere. Like every time (laughs) I open up, every time I open up Instagram, it's, it's another pastor wanting to do another talk. The live feeds are like crazy and it's like Mm. a rabbit hole. And the last thing I want is I'm trying to figure out that balance of, Mm. I don't want to inundate our people with more content from us, but I also don't want to give the appearance that we're not there for them either. So it's a real thing. We're trying to figure out like day to day when to offer content and when to maybe hold back. And I think more than anything, they just need to know that, you know, we're there and Mm. uh, they need our, they need our presence, not necessarily our content. So
1: it's a, it's a fine line to, to try to figure that out.
0: That's great. That's a great word, AB. Really good.
1: Yeah, I think for us, we um, we did the, you know, obviously shorten the service. You're going to do it different. We, we're experimenting, and I would encourage everybody to do that, too. I mean, we decided right up front that I was not going to be on stage, uh, even though I could be on stage and, you know, and do the teaching from there. We decided that that was just going to give off a, a bad image. And so, you know, I taped it. Um, from a home setting. And I'm going to do that again this week. And, and then for Easter, I think we may try something creative and do a little bit of outside or, or whatever as we're laying it all down. But we've also done the same thing with our worship. <clears throat> you know, first day, it was just, you know, a guy with the guitar. And then we figured out how to morph. So last weekend, we had different scenes and we mashed everybody up and we were doing some stuff. I would encourage, again, I'm thinking about the, the smaller church person or the, the smaller organization leader, there's a lot of easy ways to do some things out there. You're probably just going to need to put some work in on it and figure out how to be creative. And I would say, I agree with Aaron. I'm not, I'm not blasting a whole bunch of stuff out there. I, I, I'm not starting something new at this point. We did do a morning devotional time that I, that, that, that my staff has been handling and I've got guys that are sitting around. They're great communicators that don't get to be a talking head very often. So you know, I'm at the point where I'm like, you know, somebody else needs to speak into this as well. So at any level, you've got other people that can speak into that. You probably have people that aren't doing very much that could speak into that.
0: Yeah,
3: that's good. Yeah, You know, you know Dave, Dave, go I was to say, there's, there's uh, a colleague of mine shared five things we've never been in a time like this. And I'll just quickly run down them because I think it'll yeah. help everybody think about it. Number one, we, we've we never been here before and there's no, no other leaders that have either. So, you know, let the, that drop your insecurity mm-hmm. because nobody's been here and you're, you're there, man. You're, you're a monkey in a space suit. Go for it. So yeah. we embrace it. <laughs> um, um, we've never had more in common than we do right now. Denominationally, big church, small church, first century church right now across the globe. We've never had more in common than we do right now because we're all dealing with the same thing. Africa, Asia, mm-hmm. South America, America, Western church, everybody's in the same space. Um, Right now, there, we've never had a bad idea. So in terms of innovation, mm. don't don't give anybody a hard time. If you see somebody trying something new or doing something different. There's no bad ideas. We've never had a bad idea right now in this moment. Um, we've, we've never needed to just communicate more, um, meaning, man, people are isolated, and we, there is a need right now. To, to communicate. I know everybody's trying to shoot text, but I mean, just to encourage everyone. Hey, maybe, maybe shut down the text and make a phone call. Mm. Uh, I just actually was uh, ri- right before we got on was reading. Uh, one of our guys had the privilege of being inside of Verizon Wireless's C-level correspondence. And right now, <laughs> Verizon Wireless is saying that um, the the highest time of year for them is mother's day they see and their call volume is crazy on Mm -hmm. mother's day right now, every day of the coronavirus is running at call volume levels as of mother's day. So, so people are on the phone right now at ultra high levels. Are they on the phone with leaders like you Mm -hmm. who are speaking life and joy and checking in and being positive? So people are at home or they're looking for time on the phone. Let's be those voices. And then the last one is this, um, we've never preached to more people right now that are considering death at this high of level. Yeah. So across the board, whether it's themselves or loved ones or vulnerable people right now, they're thinking about death and we're talking about the gospel, man. We, you know, there's people thinking about the grave and we're the only people that have that, the, the, the verbiage to talk about an empty grave. Mm. So man, take that into your considerations as you're considering whatever your innovation is, big church, small church, Those were five nevers that my colleague gave me, and I just have been just marinating in it for the last couple of days.
0: That's so good. Wow, that's good. You know, we've talked a bit about how you guys have adjusted your, uh, especially your Sunday services or that environment. Um, So many churches are set up right now for small groups, you know, circles rather than rows and the discipleship process to do that. And now it's very uh, limited. Because of the, the quarantine, what what are you guys doing right now as far as some innovative thinking around getting people connected to each other?
1: It's not limited, man. It is unlimited.
0: That was you took the bait. You it. took the bait, Tim.
1: Love it. Yeah, I mean, I, I figured I figured I'd do it first because these guys are pretty smart. Um, man, it's just blowing up. I mean, my eighty-two year old parents learned how to do Zoom. And they were connecting with their group in their church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I mean, you know, and they're not the greatest at technology. Their VCR still is there and it's still flashing. Just twelve. It, it, it's just, you know, I mean, it, I'm telling you, they, they've embraced it. They're understanding it and they're connected in community. And I think it's blowing up this whole idea that everybody has to be in the same house. Everybody has to be in the same location. Mm-hmm.
0: That's great. Anybody else want to speak to that? I mean, I know that's a pretty thorough answer right there, but any other thoughts that you guys have?
3: Pain causes change, right? And Mm -hmm. the pain threshold goes up to a place, and that's it. I mean, there's a lot of quote-unquote old dogs that weren't willing willing to learn new tricks. They are now. Um, One of our campus pastors was telling the story about this sweet 88-year-old woman who pulled up to the church to learn how to digitally give because she wasn't going to be able to drop her tithe check off Wow. Uh, In these days, and I mean, and That's he shared awesome. that with our staff and he was in tears talking about it because this sweet yeah. saint was just not going to not, uh, you know, uh, give her tie to the church in a season that is, um, critical. And I just thought, man, that threshold of pain is causing everybody to learn and, and, and be willing to step into change. I think right now that, that level of uh, people being okay with change, um, while it is a unique season, just to say again out loud, people are willing to shift right now unlike any time in our history. So not, not to not to horse everybody too quickly into innovate mode, but just know that um, if you've got something that's been lacking momentum that you've been trying to you know just kind of keep alive, don't do it. Because mm. right now, as you move back into whatever's next, People are going to be willing to shift and change. If you're thinking about changing service times when you come back, now's the time. If you're thinking about adding uh, that ministry that's really needed more momentum, now's the time. If something Mm. needs to be finally done away with, now's the time. People are ready for change in this disruption unlike any time in our leadership life.
0: That's great. Mm -hmm. Something you guys mentioned earlier, you know, persecution and plague – moves the gospel forward, advances the gospel forward, and advances the church forward more than anything else as we've seen throughout history. And, um, I, you know, one of those reasons is, historically speaking, in the, you know, the second century, the plague that took place in Rome, Christians were rushing in. They were putting themselves at risk and in, in harm's way to be able to minister to the, the tangible, practical, felt needs of people who were sick while everybody else was rushing out. How would you guys say as leaders uh, the church... Should, should, should do that or should have that kind of mentality? What does that look like? How does that play out in this particular crisis under this particular context? How do we minister to the felt needs of our communities that are happening right now? You know, Aaron, you've got a couple things that I know that you could share some of the stuff that you guys are doing, but also just would love to hear because there's that tension, you know, it's like we're social distancing, but we're also trying to minister. How do we ride that tension?
2: Yeah, I think that, um, you know, we want to be really um, mindful of the fact that one of the best things that we can do to serve uh, our society is making sure that we're not spreading virus unintentionally and so social distancing is a very real thing and so uh, I I know we have a lot of people going how can I help how can I serve and that's been one of the frustrating things about this particular Mm -hmm. crisis is that the way in which we are sort of wired up as Christ followers is hey man let me jump in tell me where to go give me you know some work gloves and I'll do it I'll knock it out and we're being told to stay home and I think that's Mm -hmm. frustrating I think that, um, I think there's a couple things that we can do. Number one, staying home doesn't mean you're on Netflix, um, 15 hours a day. So it's like, I'm not just staying home, watching TV, being bored, you know, uh, now I'm, I'm, you know, spend time with your family. Uh, I'm not saying you shouldn't watch any Netflix, but I am saying there's some things that you can do from home and, um, uh, pray, give, um, we are, uh, you know, writing, writing letters. Uh, I think that our medical professionals and we have an army of them that are in our church mm-hmm. that are on the front lines. And mm-hmm. so the ones that I have personal relationship with, I'm trying to communicate with, and I'm trying to just say, uh, hey, give me a word from the front line. What's the best thing that we could do for you guys? Uh, how could we help you in tangible ways? And uh, right now, it's like I'm looking at all of the Christ followers in our church that are in the medical field. Going, they're the ones rushing in. Yeah, they're the ones on the front line. So the best thing we could do is is give them uh, our prayer support, our physical yeah. support, our financial support to to keep them going. And that includes their families because a lot of them. Uh, uh, can't see their family right now. They're working their shift. They're coming home, quarantining themselves, like in their basement or a guest room, FaceTiming their families upstairs because they don't want to unintentionally infect their family. So, how can we minister to the families of the medical
1: professionals? I think is a really big thing. Wow, that's great. I uh, I think have... one of the things we're I think one of the things we're starting to figure out is to not jump at every opportunity that comes our way right now. Mm. because we don't really know what the needs are going to be. I mean, obviously, you know, we need masks and respirators and, you know, w- whatever anybody can do. I mean, I love the whole sewing stuff at home that, that people are doing and all that kind of stuff. But the big needs are going to come out along the way. And we we need to make sure that we're, we're poised for when the bottom really does drop out and, and to see what it really does look like. And so, I mean, we're doing all kinds of different things like everybody else is, but, um, we're not, we're not trying to rush out and, and we're just telling everybody, you know, the, be that, be the healing, be that person, be, love your neighbor right now. And we're going to, we're going to gently wade through this until we know exactly what's going on. Cause like you said, this isn't a, this isn't a flood. We, we you know, this isn't a, a hurricane. We can't just have everybody come and rebuild a house. I mean, we, we're not going to know what's going to happen for a while yet.
0: Yeah, that's good. Well, we have about 10 minutes until we're going to shift over to some questions that people are asking right now. Questions are coming in. Again, you can ask those questions with that little Q&A button at the bottom if you're on the Zoom webinar. But I want to just take these last couple minutes and talk about finances, because I know that's a pressing issue on a lot of leaders' minds. How 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 do we continue to fund the ministry? Earlier, you guys mentioned, especially Tim, I think you were the one that mentioned this, that we need to be uh cognizant of the the fact that people um are going to react in fear and some of your givers are not going to give the way that they they had been giving how do you lead through that how do you encourage people through giving and and also what are you guys what adjustments are you looking at making to help make sure uh the operational budgets of your organizations are continuing to be healthy
3: Well, I'll take a swing at it first. Um, I mean, you know, I think one, just mindset check right now for my team, my staff. And we all said yes to preaching the gospel for free long before we ever got paid. Mm. And so I think just to revisit that, that truth that, man, this is the job I said yes to doing if nobody ever gave me a dime. And that's still in my heart. And I just want to speak and and stir that up in any of my team, because you know what? We might actually get to do it for free. Now, that's mm. not going to be the case, but <laughs> but I just want to make sure that that mindset is there for all of us. I mean, dang, uh, you know, Paul made tents. And if I got to go out and figure it out to make ends meet, I'll I'll do it. So mm. let's go ahead and let's check that. I mean, we are blessed in a Western context to be able to be professionally, uh, mm. you know, in this as a vocation. So one. Um. Two, two, We we set our staff down and just kind of. We want to be as transparent as possible. We, you know, we've got fourteen campuses and a couple hundred staff members, and so just letting them know, hey, if giving lands in this mode space, if giving goes to this space, if giving goes to this space, um, you know, this is what we're planning, and we essentially, basically, are able to say right now, we, we don't have to make any staffing decisions um, uh, up until September. So you have nothing to fear. Minister to people. Um, and every one of our staff at this point, you know, folks that have been laid off or folks that have been hours cut back, but you know what they're grateful for right now that in them, and -hmm. they're able to go and minister without any fear in the back of their mind, worried about whether or not they get to uh, go out and serve on the front lines. So Mm -hmm. we've tried to help them. Uh, Hey, we want you to have the freedom. Here's the line we're using. We want you to have the freedom to stay socially distant, but you need to feel the obligation to remain on the ministry front lines. Mm -hmm. So Figure out that tension. I don't need to give you a hard black and white answer there, but you need to feel the freedom to remain socially distant. But you need to feel the obligation to remain on the ministry front lines. And then we've tried to provide here's twenty plus ideas of how you can stay on the ministry front lines at your house. Um, Mm. And so as more ideas are coming, we're just kind of living in that space. Uh, But we just again we we've learned through you know uh, other things in other years um, that we can we can make it through this season. And again, if you've got great I mean, it. Uh, Dave Ramsey always talks mm-hmm. about an emergency fund. If you and your and your church have led through an emergency kind of mentality, then you're going to be fine. Um, if you haven't, this is going to be a, a learning lesson. Um, that then you know the next opportunity you gets you're going to build that emergency fund because there's days yeah. like this that are coming at some point.
0: That's great. That's great. Uh, Tim, maybe you guys want to chime in on finances, church yeah. finances. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, one of the things we did uh, already this week is the executive team took a voluntary pay cut um, Mm -hmm. from our from our team. We uh, we decided to forego some retirement stuff that the church was doing would have represented about a seven percent pay cut. You know, nobody's going to feel it. out. But this is just a a six person leadership team on that's over everything. And um, we're we're just doing that to say we're going to feel this with you. We're not asking anybody else to do it but we got to we got to lead by example and um and so we're, we're doing that we're, one of the things my executive pastor talks about is we're not going to live in the land of a thousand cuts we're mm. we're going to make some decisions right now about what happens if we need to make a 30% adjustment to our budget and what that's going to look like and when and what that trajectory is going to be and when we have that figured out then that's what we're going to do and and we're not going to you know, cut this person and cut this thing and do this and do that where everybody's just living in this constant state of, man, I don't, I don't know what's going on around here. And it's just another hurt. We're going to do it when we do it and, and not do it when we don't need to.
0: That's great. That's great. Go ahead. Good.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I would just say that, uh, you know, three weeks ago when all this was going down, uh, we I met with our executive team and immediately we made <laughs> reductions to our weekly operating budget. So uh, it was basically like everything that doesn't support digital, pretty much like that, that message went out loud and clear to the staff. Like uh, we're holding on all those expenses. All construction projects are held. And so we immediately were able to cut a pretty significant amount out of our weekly operating budget. Um, and then uh, lots of good communication with clarity to our people. So it actually, by I think making the call early on with a lot of our people to say, hey, we're not going to do physical services three weeks ago. I had a lot of the medical community reaching out to me saying, thank you so much. This just builds our trust in your decision making. Mm-hmm. And right then mm-hmm. it was like, that's what this, that's what this is, <laughs> is that um Uh, this is an opportunity to uh, build and reinforce, hopefully, the trust that you've had with your people to be good stewards. And so I've tried to uh, communicate as often as I can with our people about what we're doing, uh, because we're continuing to be wise stewards. We're anticipating. uh, I love what Tim said. You know, There's a lot of people hurting right now. The last thing that you need is a church going, hey, but be sure that you tithe. Um, we just know that a lot of people aren't going to be able to do that as they're losing jobs. And it's super insensitive mm-hmm. of a church to just sort of like callously say, yeah, but we need to do this. It'll be your uh, big givers and your uh, people that there will be a lot of people that will be uneffected. In fact, I just got off the phone with a business leader who's, this is springing up new opportunities as they are arising. Right. And it'll be it'll be those individuals that'll actually carry the church through the the crisis. We saw that in 2008 and 9 with the recession. You see that in at the September 11th attacks. So I jumped on a Teams call. We invited um, uh, uh, I think it was everybody who gave in 2019. And we just invited them to a Teams call. So it's kind of like Zoom where they could see me, I can't see them. And basically I just spent about 10 minutes uh, giving them an update on how I'm doing, my family. Um, you know, letting them know uh, uh, what our team has done to navigate through the crisis. Letting them know what the plan is for our church, and then just asking them if they're able to continue to give, to switch their giving online, to give beyond their giving if they can. And it's been amazing the messages we get back. Just thank you so much for your clarity. Thank you so much for the brevity. Uh, we're going to switch our giving to online. We're actually going to give more. Uh, because we we trust what you guys are doing you guys are making good calls so I think anything you can do to communicate with your people other than just hey make sure that you continue to give um, it has nothing to do with the preservation of the institution of your church it has everything to do with being on mission to make sure that uh, the community's needs are met and here's how we're gonna do it so
1: Another, one more thing I want to throw in there baby Go um, uh, we're gonna encourage it and our people don't know this yet but there are a lot of people that are going to get a $1,200 check from the government that didn't really need it. And so we're going to work on a way that people that can can do without that, can, that that money can go into a place where we can give it to the people that really are going to need it. Um, the government's got to do what the government's got to do. But that's one of the ideas we've come up with recently is, you know, let's just make this all happen. So I would encourage fantastic. that as well.
0: Yeah, and you know, I know Coop. You and I talked earlier this week, and uh, you were the first person to turn me on to this. Now, now I'm sure everybody's heard of it. Also, our mutual friend Caleb Kaltenbach, He also texted me uh, and said, "I've got a eight like six pages of notes. I want to send you on this seminar that I just listened to on the uh, the CARES Act and the protection, uh, the paycheck <clears throat> protection program that is now it's it's been extended for the first time, from what I understand, first time in history that it's been extended to nonprofits." Uh, in churches. And so that would be something, we're not going to go through the details of that right now because there's exhaustive material on that. You can look for online. We'll put it in our resources that we send to everybody after this, just a, a link where you can research the CARES Act and Paycheck Protection Program. But that could be a resource that would be helpful to you as a, as a leader as well. Um, all right, we're going to shift over to Q&A. Before we do that, uh, I want to make you guys who are attending this a- aware of an opportunity that you have. If you're, uh, if you're a Christian leader, Christian marketplace leader, you're a pastor, we at Nothing Is Wasted are partnering with Ken Roberts. If you're familiar to Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, you'll, you'll remember Ken from his episode 29. Um, and, and he is uh, offering uh, some coaching for pastors and Christian marketplace leaders. Uh, he is fantastic in seasons of crisis like this. He was a local church pastor for almost 40 years. Uh, pastoring two thriving and growing organizations, uh, but now he spends his time coaching and uh, coaching pastors and Christian marketplace leaders to help their organizations and them personally through major crises and transitions. So this isn't for everybody, but if you feel like this is a season right now where you need some, um, uh, just some more robust. Um, one-on-one walking through this with your 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 own personal life or your organization. Ken is a fantastic friend, coach, mentor of mine. And uh, he is offering to the attendees of this particular webinar a free coaching session from his Leaders Advance Coaching. So uh, the way that you can opt in for that one free coaching session is uh, to go to com slash coaching, nothingiswasted.com slash coaching. You'll scroll down, you'll see Leaders Advanced Coaching. That's Leaders Advanced coaching, coaching. Fill out the form and it will uh, send your information to Ken and he will be in touch with you. Uh, but again, one free session of his Leaders Advanced Coaching. I'm telling you, Ken is a remarkable at navigating these types of crises personally and as an organization. When he was 47 years old, his uh, wife of 25 years uh, passed away in a, a car accident. Um, and he was leading a really large, thriving, growing congregation at the time. So he has had to navigate that and then his, had to navigate his congregation going through the recession in 2008 and 2009. And now spends a lot of time, well, a lot of time helping churches and organizations do this. So make sure you uh, opt in on this offering if, uh, if you feel like you need some extra help in this. All right, uh, let's go to some Q&A. Um, we'll just kind of hit these. And if, you know, one person wants to take them. Uh, that's great. If you feel like that you've got something to add to whatever that person answered, fantastic as well. But, uh, Jeffrey asks, what's your top tip for doing video messages? So communication tips right here. Top tip for doing video messages as opposed to speaking to a live congregation.
2: Uh, cut your, uh, time that you're preaching in half. Um, um, don't, uh, come across as, uh, the hero. Like you've got all the answers to this. I think you've really got to identify with your people. You've got to hurt with them, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and point them to hope in the midst of that. So, uh, you really have to like look into the camera and just imagine that you're sitting across the living room with someone because that's how they're watching you.
0: That's great. Great. Any other tips that you guys would say anything you add? No, I can throw well this in
3: there. Um, uh, I literally, we just had a, a staff development class on that before this seminar, mm-hmm. and we we uh, one of our trainers uh, talks about e-learning. I guess everybody's doing e-learning right now, um, and he says you got to think that this is what's happening in the home, and what that e stands for is energy, and mm-hmm. you've got to move energy into your room because everybody is just sitting very still. So you got to create energy. You gotta, you gotta, uh, again, sustain the energy, and you want to leave with energy. So, to Pastor Aaron's point, anytime you go too long, you're not leaving with energy, and um, and so you gotta, you know, uh, he he talked about asking questions, uh, create opportunity for the audience to ask questions, uh, say little cues that mandate action, like, hey, won't you write this down? Any little thing like that creates some. Um, a little bit of ways to move people around you. And again, I said the attention span goes from 10 minutes to five. That's a big point. Mm-hmm. Um, so visual story, humor and fun, asking questions and even taking a poll. There's some really cool things that teachers have been using. I know probably people are familiar with things like cahoots or there's this kind of opportunity to be thinking about, hey, how do you re-engage? Because it's a different medium now uh, than it is typically on a Sunday. So there could be some cool things um, I've seen people do after the fact Facebook Lives or creating um, uh, your campus pastors or your campus other staff members could be doing on on web um, kind of dialogue inside of chat rooms. You know, people watch TV shows all the time with multi-screens. So think about preaching with multi-screens. These are just all ideas just to throw them out there, eat the meat, spit out the bones.
0: Love it. That's great. All right. Kayla says, I'm a worship band leader wondering what you're doing to keep up the quality and strength of your music ministry in worship while you're, while we're solely online.
2: Well, I think that, uh, you know, um, to be stripped back is not a bad thing. I mean, I don't know that what our people need right now is a a lot of high production. And I don't know that that's what she's asking about in the uh, question. I think probably for most worship leaders, they want the quality to be really good. And I think what quality get translated as is connection. So Mm -hmm. like our, um, our worship team uh, did a live uh, Instagram, Facebook live thing this morning, and they were just sitting on a couch in the hallway at our church. It was there was no lights. There was no haze. It was all stripped down. It's just a couple guitars. And uh, the engagement level from people is really uh, high because I think what you have to realize is people are super thirsty right now. Yeah. So, So just a genuine, authentic expression of worship that points people heavenward, they're not getting it anywhere else. They're not getting it on the news. They're not getting it in social media. It's all doom and gloom, and so it's like they're just desperately drinking it in. So right now is the finest hour for our worship mm-hmm. leaders uh, because uh, you don't need to worry about the production level or the or the show, so to speak. It's all about uh, connecting with peace, people's hearts, and worship leaders are really great at that.
1: That's great. You watch what's going on um, on television, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean, everything everything is stripped down. It's one of the reasons why we decided just to. Have me preach from you know my house because I mean you know Jimmy Kimmel's on doing that you know everybody ought to be doing it I think I think from a worship standpoint you look at anything that's on TV or or online that's that's live I mean it's all stripped back and I agree with Aaron it it's supposed to be that way so um, that's a good thing for us good good reset yeah
0: that's fantastic Um, okay several questions coming in right now and I'm gonna try to kind of lump all of them into one theme a lot of people are asking what are some practical ways that church leadership can help their church members stay connected to God and to each other, particularly when, when they don't have uh, either, they don't have video equipment or tech team or, you know, any of that stuff that, that many churches have as far as resources. And when they have um, folks in their congregation who are a lot older, who are not well-versed in some of this technology, what are some ways to really connect with them? I know we've mentioned a couple things, but, thoughts that you guys have on that
3: well i think you got to do it graciously but i think now more than ever is the time to get them educated on it and the pain point of not being able to meet is a really gifted thing for the future so i mean you know teach them how to use a zoom call teach them how to do a facetime uh, somebody will walk them through it you can do that um but i think giving them a phone call um you know, I think this is where you get your neighbor to neighbor stuff going on. I mean, if you, if you've got elderly folks in your, in your cul-de-sac or in your apartment complex, asking them if you can, even if it's just you pass them the note because you don't want to put them in vulnerability space. Um, can you go to the store for them? Can, you know, can, can I, uh, mow your lawn for you? Uh, Is there anything you need a, even if it's not anything specific that you need, the, the posture that asks the question is a really powerful thing. I think right now, you know, um, the ministry of presence is such a big deal. Mm-hmm. You were talking earlier about the, the church in times of, of persecution and how they were running in while everybody was running out. Mm-hmm. I think the distinctive of the church right now is, you know, we've all gone through the storm, just like Jesus told us we were going to. Some people were built certain aspects of their life on rock and others with sand. And Christians that have their life encouraged and filled by the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit, one of the fruits is peace. And it's distinct in this day of panic and pandemonium and high anxiety and depression, there is a joy and a peace that Christians have that you don't even have to try to show off. It just is. And so just walking in that ministry of presence for the older folks in your church and for the, the folks in your, in your circles is huge. But I think, you know, asking somebody if you can help them um, now, the pain is high enough that they'll they'll be willing to learn. I think that would be a, that would be my approach.
0: That's really good. Um, let let me ask you this. I'm going to see if I can interpret this question. Somebody asked a question about youth ministry. So Coop, I know you and I shared a lot of good days in youth ministry. So I know you can reach back into the archives for this one. Uh, maybe you guys can as well, but particularly the generation right now, this, let me read the question. Let's see if it, uh, it makes sense. This is from Don as leaders on our youth ministry team, we are doing these online meetings with our kids. They are a generation who defines social media as the norm social distancing seems to have a different meaning to them. Physical distancing with more social media interaction with us adults uh, even more. Can can you speak to that or give any advice as we continue to lead them realizing physical distancing is not the same as social distancing?
3: Uh, Yeah, I think he's just, uh, I'm interpreting it to be semantics and that maybe the the, uh, boomer or Gen X generation that came up with the phrase social distancing uh doesn't actually land on the, on the 15-year-old because they, they stay physically distant regularly, but they're socially way engaged. Just check out their TikTok channel or their Snapchat or their Instagram. They're socially engaged while they are physically distant. I think that's what they're saying, and I think right now what you've got is a lot of youth leaders that are realizing that, wow, all I had to do was create the uh, avenue for conversation on the group chat or the FaceTime uh, or the Zoom call. But they're ready to jump in and they're ready to do the Marco Polo and the whatever, you know, they're they're mm-hmm. there. So it's just leaning into what they've already got created.
0: So what you're saying and is if we t- can get our seniors to engage on TikTok, the senior members yeah. of our <laughs> congregation to start, then you've yeah.
3: won. Yeah. I just know Jack Black's on TikTok now. That's all I know. You know?
1: It, is TikTok <laughs> on AOL? I, I don't know if that's gonna work. <laughs> 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 um Uh, One of the things my youth guys have told me, uh, Dan, uh, I mean, is that they're finding this fascinating because Mm. the, the, the kids are opening up and communicating to them because of the way that this is going right now. They're telling me in ways that they never did before if you're sitting in a group, you know, you're sitting around, whatever, talking, it's harder to talk about some of these things than it is as we're doing it now. We, we may, I mean, we may never bring our student ministry back together again, because this is going so well for them right now, the way that it is.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Um, uh, how much, how much are you guys preparing as a leadership team? This is someone who wishes to remain anonymous, but uh, preparing as a leadership team for a welcome home, when the shelter in place ends? Uh, how much do we need to keep that on the forefront of our minds um, as as far as playing the first church service back? What does that look like in, in your minds?
2: Well, I think that it's probably something that you can, as a leader, begin to maybe think about, but I don't think that we begin to vocalize that much because it's still too far away. And I really don't think that we're ever gonna get a, a all clear And then tomorrow, you know, we can snap back to normal. I think it's going to be a scaled uh, clearing and it's going to be different by region. And so um, I think we have to be mindful of that. Like if uh, let's just say if you're in one part of the country and the risk goes down pretty low and businesses are allowed to reopen and the church can gather again. Uh, I think we have to be sensitive to the fact that maybe in New York, they still can't for weeks and weeks and weeks. And so it's not going to be super helpful for us to have a homecoming gathering and all worship service. Wow. We made it when our brothers and sisters in New York are still on lockdown. So I think we just need to be thinking that through. It's going to be scaled. So I'm thinking about it off in the distance, but I'm primarily, I'm not letting myself spend too much time there because I need to think about the reality of the day that I'm in now, no doubt this will end at some point history just shows us that I was reading up on the Spanish flu last night and it was encouraging me just because just recognizing what they went through. Um, but, um, uh, you know, when you we a are a strange to, person, uh, yeah, well, I, think strange, strange I think that's, I think that's legit.
0: I mean, I'm reading a book about Auschwitz right now because I'm like, I'm <laughs> things in perspective, you know,
2: well. Well, Tim's never been much of a reader, anyway. So <laughs> that's no, true. But, no. uh, I don't even know what, you, what what is this flu of
1: which you speak. I don't know what it is. I've never been but, to Spain.
2: But but history is a good teacher, and I think a yeah. lot of people have forgotten that 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 the Spanish flu was way more dire. And we made it through, and there's a, such a thing called the Roaring Twenties like right after that. Mm. So we do, we do know that there will be an end date to it. We can celebrate as a church, but I just think we have to be uh, realistic in the sense that I don't know that it's going to be, hey, guys, uh, four weeks from Tuesday, we're having an all-night worship gathering to celebrate the end of the virus. I just don't know that it's going to be that cut and dry. Um, so uh, I think we just need to be very wise as leaders uh, in how we and- pro- position
1: Let me throw something in here, too. We cannot minimize the online experience Mm. when we get to gather again. Mm, We have just gained a gigantic audience of people from all over the globe. And if all of a sudden we make this big deal about everybody gets to come into our building, all those people just went, oh, I I thought I was a part of this. But Mm. now I don't feel like I am. I mean, I'm really nervous about that. That's a good
3: point. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I will uh, add that. You know, you've got you've got him on another panel later on. Tyler Tatum, mm-hmm. who is uh, hanging out with you later on in the uh, uh, NIW panel world, he put in front of our creatives. Hey, we need to one be thinking about the scalable. Um, and so, when this thing does happen, and we have certain campuses because the the limits two fifty or the limits mm-hmm. five hundred or whatever it is, how can you scale this threshold up um, to? Uh, when we do get a chance to all gather together again, it'd be good to just have a general thought, but not, not anything that's, again, it's way out there. So for us, it's ordering Hey, who are the folks that are going to make up that band? What songs potentially could we be learning and just kind of have in front of us if there's some new songs, but it's, uh, it's nothing that is, I mean, again, we even talked about once they throw the, the, you know, the, Hey, everybody can gather again. It may be beneficial to stay in the, digital home experience for mm-hmm. one more week and get one more iteration so that everybody can kind of finalize that moment. And then instead of meeting in four days after they lift the band, meet in meet in 12 days after they lift the band mm-hmm. all together mm-hmm. again. And so, you know, kind of have a week zero, so to speak. Um, so there's, a, there's some ideas out there. Uh, but I, I think Pastor Tim's right to be thinking there's some stuff that we better, you know, if we could snap our fingers and fast forward six months from now, if we have it. um, adopted some of the things the learnings from these days we've missed it we've (laughs) missed it so what is it we're supposed to be learning right now so that we can uh you know (laughs) innovate in a way that that adopts that in the future so
0: that's great that's good wow so good all right
3: last question
0: um and then we're gonna let you guys go you guys have been so gracious with your time kimberly asks how can we pray specifically for our our church leaders and church leadership and their families during this season
3: I think you got to ask them if you've got access to them. Each each person's different. You know, you got four kids. You got kids that are uh, in your house, kids that aren't in your house. I think one, the posture to ask. I, I, I have absolutely had more people ask me from the congregation, um, one, letting me know they are praying for me, and two, letting me know uh, they would be willing to pray specifically. But I think because this thing is a little bit unique and people deal with it, um, you know, in unique ways. If you have the opportunity to ask your pastor, that alone uh, would, you know, obviously pray, but if you Mm -hmm. can shoot them an email or if you've got their phone number, or if you are, you you know, get to them on social media, ask them how they could pray. And it's changing all the time. So it may be different this week than it Mm -hmm. is next week. And just based on the things that are happening and, and, you know, like the fact that the president said two days ago, it's not a two week thing. It's April 30th. Now, all of a sudden, churches are starting to have to think a little differently and your pastor may have different prayer requests. So those are the kind of things that I would suggest. Mm.
2: That's great. I I think uh, just praying um, uh, for uh, pastors and leaders like in their loneliness, you know, I think that there's, uh, you know, every pastor is always like, yeah, I'm as good as my last sermon or as good as my last Sunday. That's just real talk. And if they tell you otherwise, they're lying to you. And so I think that there's this like, sort of like fear of like, dude, I haven't been able to gather with my people or, or, you know, even though the online engagements have been super high, there's still that like human thing of like, am I going to have a church when all this kind of clears? And, um, and I, I think one of the most encouraging things for me is like when our people have reached out to me to ask if they could pray to say, pastor, we need you to take care of yourself and your family first. But then they just like reassure me, Hey, we're with you. I've had, I've had a number of people just text me, call me, it's an honor to be in this with you. We're with you. We're 100 in. Like we're going to navigate this, and it's just I think given me it's just encouraged me uh, day by day, and I've been really been
1: grateful for it. Great, I agree. I would say uh, the one unknown thing that most people don't get out there um, that we have to deal with is the weight, and I just that's the only way I can I can explain it. There's this huge weight. We thought we were going one direction and now we're going another another direction and this thing is just weighing on us. It doesn't it doesn't matter how, you know, what are, what other things are going on in our life, it weighs on us and it always did as a leader of a church. And I don't care, you know, a leader of any organization it doesn't have to be a church. There's a lot of weight and that weight just got really really heavy 3 weeks ago. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> For That's sure. Good. Well, <clears throat> guys, we <laughs> Appreciate your time so much. Uh, thank you for the wisdom and the insight that you brought forward. I know it's super helpful as people are trying to learn how to, to lead as they're trying to just get up tomorrow morning and figure out what the next best step is. And, um, and so we just really, really appreciate your time. And uh, we want to make sure that you guys who are watching this and you're attending this, we're going to send you guys an email with some resources. Before we sign off, do you guys have anything, Tim, Brad, Aaron, you guys have any resources specifically that you would want to make sure we send to those folks who are, if not, it's fine, but who are attending this that can be helpful?
3: I just, uh, I'll, I'll attach this to you, but I just received an Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability about the CARES Act. I think that you mentioned that earlier, but I think that's going to be something, some some aspects of that are now. Some aspects of this benefit us are going to be really experienced at the end of the year in terms of deductions that businesses and givers can really partner with. That's not for now, but that will be for the end of 2020. I think that's something that every um, pastor and or non for profit leader out there should take advantage of and know um, about. Uh, And then I will just recommend, you know, man, I'm reading a ton right now we mentioned the, the persecution, the rise of Christianity by Stark is a recommendation mm-hmm. that I would recommend out there. If you've got some extra time on your hands and what are you doing in the reading and development in the dark? Um, uh, there's another one called revival in the Hebrides that my team is reading right now from Duncan Campbell. And it's, it's, again, it kind of speaks to the fact that revival falls on the back of a lot of these moments. Um, and uh, this is a Scottish revival of, of yesteryear to recommend. And then I, another one I know that's doing a really cool deal right now is Theos U. Uh, Nathan and Gabe Finocchio. Theos U. It's a, it's a you know, theology web-based subscription. I think Aaron mentioned this. Don't watch 15 hours of uh, Netflix, but if you want to watch a couple of hours of some theology while you're stuck in your house, get your brain sharpened and educate yourself because there will be a time when this is over and then the then the opportunity will be knocking at the door and the days of preparation will then be over. So those would be some recommendations I'll throw at it.
0: That's great. Aaron, you got anything particularly? I know, Tim, you shook your heads and not nothing in particular, but...
2: No, those, those are excellent. I think okay. maybe in addition to the EFCA, I think Vanderbloemen's done some stuff that you right. might uh, look to yeah, and check cool. out um, and uh, that would be some helpful resources.
1: Yeah, well, and great. I would just say, any, all the three of us, any any of you that want to get on our website and find what you can find, man, we're all willing to share. Um, there's a, there's a lot of us that have been jumping in and doing sermons together. We didn't talk about that, but you know, we had to, had to change gears on all of that and we're still thinking about what it looks like going forward. We want to share whatever we have. So feel free. That's
0: great. That's great. And I went ahead and put guys in that chat, um, the the coaching offer that I mentioned earlier from Ken Roberts, nothingiswasted.com slash coaching. Scroll down, you'll see leaders advance coaching if you think that that is something that would fit your time right now. But guys, I appreciate your time so much. One of the things we learned from the motherhood one that we did the other night is that there's no way on Zoom for me to log off the webinar and still hang on to you guys. So everyone is going to get the, a little scope into us saying goodbye awkwardly as well <laughs> to each other. <laughs> so man, I just personally appreciate you guys, each one of you and the impact you've had in my life and uh, your friendship and uh, what you're doing in the world to, to minister to people. So thank you so much for agreeing to join me with this. Thank you,
1: man. Good to meet you, Brad. Love you guys. And,
3: hey, as well, I was going to say, Davey, you're, you've always been a class act, but now I'm getting to meet two other gentlemen today that man I appreciate you all the more because uh brother Tim brother Aaron you you guys are the real deal and I thank you for um the way you lead love you Ben.
2: yeah yeah yeah. thank you Davey great to be with you guys appreciate it
0: see y'all